Welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. This is our July 8th, 2010 edition of the show. About 4.08 p.m. on the clock here in Irvine, California. And before we get fully underway, I have a couple of uh, quick reminders for you. First of all, the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, I always appreciate that. You can email me at rglarson at KUCI.org. You can also catch me on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash rglarson. Back in 2008, Fox News and other right-wingers were promulgating an absurd conspiracy theory about a plan by an organization called ACORN to steal the election. Later, this conspiracy theory expanded and morphed into the more absurd notion that ACORN was responsible for the mortgage meltdown. Then, a right-wing activist peddled a doctored sting video purportedly showing ACORN workers behaving in a compromising manner. Only after ACORN's reputation was severely damaged and its demise ensured, did it become widely known that the video was not as advertised by the videographer. But why all this drama? What really is ACORN and why did they become such a target for the right? Our uh, special guest today is going to help us answer that. He is John Atlas, author of Seeds of Change, the Story of ACORN, America's Most Controversial Anti-Poverty Community Organizing Group. Uh, John Atlas is a uh, longtime uh, um, uh, public interest lawyer, writer, and organizer. He is the founder and current president of the National Housing Institute, his work has appeared in numerous publications, including the uh, Newark Star-Ledger, the New York Times, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Tacoon, and The Nation. John Atlas, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks uh, for having me, Robert. By the way, I also blog for the Huffington Post. Yes, yes, we did talk about that. It's uh, one, of my, uh, uh, one of my favorite websites. So, yeah, the Huffington Post, they can find you. blog there uh, regularly, like uh, once or twice a week, something like that? Oh, unfortunately, I, because of this uh, book project and now telling people about it, I've reduced the times that I do that. Okay, but they can uh, search you on the Huffington Post and find some of your past uh, blogs there. Yes. Okay, and you're also on Facebook as well. I'm on Facebook. Yeah, facebook.com slash, or how do they find you there? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Just look up John Atlas. They sh you should yeah. come up there. Absolutely. And then I do have a website, um, seedsofchangeacorn.com. Okay. And we'll give out that information uh, again before we're done today. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's get right into this. Uh, you know, as I said at the beginning there, uh, many people, all they've heard about ACORN is these uh, negative things, much of which is uh, bogus, which was being put out there by... Um, Fox News and other sources, and uh, so before we go into sort of debunking a lot of that, let's just talk about ACORN, I mean, because many people just really don't have an idea, what is this organization and how were they founded? Well, we can start with um, uh, how they were founded, and uh, that really, st the story of that begins in 1970 with a fellow named Wade Rathke 
who grew up in New Orleans during the 50s and 60s, and at the time there was widespread opposition to school integration. He was a smart boy, got into Williams College, dropped out, got involved with the welfare rights organization, realized that the welfare rights organization had too narrow a focus on welfare people and the very poor, and instead he uh, decided to leave Massachusetts, where he was doing this welfare rights organization. He threw all his furniture into his broken-down car and uh, sped off to Arkansas in the south of all places to pursue his dream of organizing poor people into a powerful, cross-class, multi-issue group so the poor could help lift themselves out of poverty. And how was this different than other organizations that may have been around at the time trying to uh, help uh, the underprivileged? Well, there are two things that are important to answer your question. First, most organizations that went about and were committed to helping the poor either started inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C., sort of top-down organizations without a base, or there are very local organizations in various neighborhoods throughout the country where, you know, uh, mostly in inner cities, uh, ghettos, low-income, working-class neighborhoods. Uh, so they were either inside the Beltway, top-down, or they were very local, uh, maybe one issue, uh, apolitical, uh, and, and, and largely, in my view, ineffective, both of them. His dream was to build this organization so that it was eventually become a national organization. It it seemed actually preposterous if you think back at it. Think back, you know, that doesn't seem like an idea that it would uh, come to fruition. Yeah, and and it did, and it uh, Acorn has had some major successes, and what. Talk about some of the things that ACORN has accomplished that have really, in a certain sense, been quite remarkable. Well, first, I want your listeners to understand that the book that I wrote is a is an inside tale. I spent four years immersed in that organization, going to their staff meetings, hanging around with its members, its leaders, uh, going to their national conferences, meeting uh, organizers, members, and so on. Uh, and what I learned was that this was the most effective and successful anti-poverty organization in the country. In fact, you could argue, and, I, and my book hints, that ACORN was the most effective progressive organization to emerge out of the 60s. And for 40 years, it organized uh, Americans from all walks of life, registered millions of black, Hispanic, and young people to vote, raised workers' incomes by organizing unions and passing living wage ordinances in dozens of cities and leading the national fight for an increase in the minimum wage, cleaned up parks on the local side, saved neighborhoods, built affordable housing, uh, helped lead a national campaign to force banks to stop predatory lending, stop foreclosures, help rebuild New Orleans, increase, we're talking about big things and small things, increase police protection in dangerous neighborhoods. 
And then, of course, the, the narrative of the, of the book is that suddenly, it w- in what I think is a sh- story tr- stranger than fiction, uh, it's a sad story in some ways, it's a disgraceful story, but they somehow were destroyed by a ferocious attack by the Republican Party, Fox News, and their allies. Yeah, yeah, it it that is it is a very tragic and disturbing story. And uh yeah, we're speaking to John Atlas today and we're talking about his book Seeds of Change, the story of Acorn, America's most controversial anti-poverty community organizing group. And uh, as you said, this is an insider's account. How how was it, you know, before we get into this whole thing of why they were targeted, how how was it that you were able to win over their trust and and that for them to allow you to be inside on all of this? Well, I think I hit them at the right time. It was 2004. I had just uh, finished uh, working as a the executive director of a legal services program in Patterson, New Jersey. And I had decided I wanted to spend most of my time writing, and I wanted to pursue uh, a book that would somehow capture for me uh, what happened over the last three or four decades since the 60s. Uh, And like a lot of your listeners, I was obviously on the front lines of anti-poverty work, social justice efforts. Uh, worked with church groups, environmental groups, and and I, and I wanted to look for a group that had been making a big difference because, as your listeners know, it's very difficult to even make a small difference in America. You know, just get a stop sign up in in a community, uh, and then I discovered this group, uh, Acorn. I heard a little bit about them. I heard that they were making big changes. I wanted to find out if that was true, and if so, how they did it. When I went to them, they seemed to be very interested in getting over the radar. Uh, You know what I mean. Uh, They were well-known maybe in their local communities, but on a national basis, most people never heard of them. And if they did, they usually actually thought they were a good group, but they would only tell you what they experienced personally. Whether it be if it was a bank, they would say, oh, that's the group that beat us up and made us provide affordable loans. Mm Mm-hmm. But what, what I, I, I convinced them, based on my background, that I was, although I'm, I was a journalist now, uh, that I would look honestly at their organization and give them a, a fair break. I did say that I needed complete access to everything, uh, all their meetings, their, in, their, their papers, their memos, their Internet, uh, internal communications, and they reluctantly agreed. I think part of it was, you know, they sort of saw me as somebody who uh, was concerned with the same kind of things they were concerned about. But I did say I was going to report it the way I saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, honestly, and, and uh, report the facts as they came to you. So let, let's get into all of this because uh, the the, the uh, charges that against ACORN. And um, well, before we get into that, first, ACORN, the, the acronym is, uh, what is it? Association for uh, Community Organizations Now. Uh, uh, community Organizers for Reform Now. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because that's because uh, a lot of times people like think it doesn't. What What is that? Acorn. Yeah. So, associate- by the way, first it was the it was Arkansas. 
uh, Arkansas Community Organizers for Reform Now, but now it's the Association for of uh, Community Organizers for Reform Now. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, uh, for many people, their first uh, notions of ACORN, w- w- all these things that came out around 2008, and there was this, w- you know, what I call absurd conspiracy theory that was uh, mostly being promulgated by Fox News, but other uh, right-wing sources, in, that that Acorn was out to uh, steal the 2008 election, and that they had uh, they were engaging in voter fraud and registering uh, uh, thousands of, of people who had no right to be registered voters. And uh, so, wh- how did this all come about? This whole uh, conspiracy theory about Acorn. Well, I I spend a good deal of time in the book about that. In fact, my one of the last few chapters is. Uh, totally dedicated to what amounts to being the battle over voting rights, uh, voting fraud versus voting access. And you can't understand what happened with the right-wing blogosphere and the Republican Party's attack on ACORN unless you understand uh, the decades-old attempts by Republicans to suppress blacks and minorities from voting. But it was, I'm going to give a little context to that. So sure, can, sure. So uh, I take you back. I, I take you back or forward to the uh, close election of 2000. You recall that one. I mm-hmm. put uh, that election put Acorn in the crosshairs of the Republican Party. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, of course, you'll recall it was a very close election. The Gore won the majority of the votes, and the Supreme Court went ahead and appointed Bush to be the president, mm-hmm. right? Right. You remember? Yeah, and we remember a lot of funny business going on in Florida. Right, a lot of funny business going, in, going on in Florida. Uh, and uh, Karl Rove, you know, took a look at the electorate, and what did he see? Well, he saw that uh, this was an evenly divided electorate because it was so close. Right. And that it likely to be an evenly divided election. And if the Republicans were to stay in power, Rove had to do two things. He had to increase voter turnout of his base, white, middle class, large drug companies, oil companies, Wall Street, and uh, their supporter and their uh, their money, as well as their, the people who work in those industries. And he had to suppress the voting turnout of the poor minorities and the young. He understood that just the slight increase, as I suggested, of voter turnout of the poor minorities and the young could throw a national election to uh, in a totally different way. So Rove had this plan. It included an all-out assault against anybody who was going to try to register people who would not vote Republican. And we know, and I just identified them, and we all know who they are, poor minorities and the young. And they... They, they had a, a plan, a very clear plan of uh, trumped-up lawsuits, uh, media campaigns, smear campaigns, and kind of an all-out assault against this, against voter registration. And they even the attorney general was, of course, a part of this mobilization of the Republican Party, and they had an initiative that they were going to crack down on voter fraud in battleground states like Florida, Missouri, Ohio, New Mexico, those were the swing states, as we know them, that determine national elections. 
he even the attorney general uh, I can't think of his name right now but he was followed by Gonzalez who uh, supported this policy they um, told their yeah. US attorneys to uh, go after voter fraud so that's on the Republican side now why do I say Acorn was in the crosshairs because the group that was doing the most effective voter registration was Acorn. So let me give you a dramatic example of what was at stake. Let's take one swing state, New Mexico. In 2000, Gore won that election by just 300 votes. So it was up for grabs. By the summer of 2000, Acorn in New Mexico had registered 35,000 voters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no. so... The, the attorney general, the attorney general, in, in orders the U.S. attorney, a fellow by the name of Inglesias, David C. Inglesias, to get Acorn. David Inglesias goes ahead and does a thorough investigation. He finds there is no grounds to. And by the way, he was a conservative Republican. Uh, Iglesias yeah. found no grounds for um, indicting Acorn. Of course, we know what happened with that. That part of the story ends up, um, you know, where he gets fired by the attorney general, and then we have the attorney gate scandal. Mm-hmm. So now we're up to the, the, this voting struggle, though, continues. Most people didn't even know it was going on because it was mostly under the radar. There was no attorney gate scandal yet. So Acorn is is a, does a very effective job in two thousand and four. And in 2008, they gear up again for registering uh, as many people as they can. They're hoping to register a million people. Now, this is where the the, the scandal um, becomes so important to the Republican Party. Um, and, and the scandal is simply fabricated by the right wing. And what they did when they realized that Acorn had this close relationship with Obama, and Obama was the candidate, they decided to smear Acorn, which they had been doing anyway. But now they were going to, you know, um, attack, uh, attack, attach attach Acorn to Obama and bring them both down. That was the motivation of the Republican Party, pure and simple. Right, and so it was. It would have to uh, degrade Acorn, have to make uh, Acorn look like a shady organization, uh, uh, taint them, so uh, that there, there will be uh, a question about the validity of what they're doing. Uh, p- sort of uh, tie Obama with that, and there's there's a thinly veiled uh, racism there, and uh, then there's. Uh, the, the, ultimately, though, to, to completely discredit Acorn and uh, lead to their, or try to, to destroy them. And so, but there, this whole thing, okay, about the, the sort of conspiracy theory with the voting, which to me was just so uh, uh, kind of... Uh, Obvious. Yeah, well, I mean, just the, the chutzpah of it, because... Let me, let me give your listeners a sense of what, what happened and why there was an element of credibility to their attacks. I mean, it's not like they're stupid. Mm-hmm. So Acorn gears up, hires thousands of part-time workers, and some, most of them, you know, 95% of them do their job, go out and register voters. Some decide that instead of registering voters, they're going to sit in McDonald's 
and take all these voter registration forms that they have and fabricate them, get paid by ACORN, and uh, not worry about the consequences. Well, that's voter registration fraud. So what, what did ACORN do about that? Well, when they got these forms, they recognized them to be phony. They identified them as phony to the uh, officials, and they fired their registrars, their own registrars that they hired. It, but nevertheless, there were lots of phony registrations that ACORN had pointed out to these people. The Republican media machine immediately, with, its, with the help of the right-wing echo chamber, Fox News, the Wall Street Journal editorial page, uh, the... Um, um, you know, all the right-wing bloggers from National Review and on and on uh, decide, you know, they get on board very quickly and repeat these allegations of voter registration fraud. Remember, allegations. And they repeat, they'll say things like, ACORN is involved in a scandal. Of course, a scandal means that there's a huge controversy, mm -hmm. which they created, and then which they used to defame ACORN. But really what happened was ACORN was... Uh, simply doing what they're required to do by law, that is, turn in all registrations, even if they had Mickey Mouse on them. And they were just, the Republican Party and the right wing cleverly used that to defame ACORN. And the mainstream press went along. Right. It, it, I, I just, to me, what was uh, maddening about it was the, the juxtaposition of where Acorn came forward with these things uh, and wasn't like the higher-ups in Acorn were trying to hide anything. Uh, and there were a few uh, cases of questionable, uh, of fraudulent people uh, registering to vote, but this happens pretty much whenever you have people going out and registering uh, uh, uh new voters. There's always going to be some people that are going to do this in a haphazard manner or, or fraudulent manner. And uh, But to juxtapose that to things that the GOP was tied with in the 2000 and 2004 election where there was active suppression of voting and uh, uh, the, the uh, bogus uh, uh, felon list in Florida and all kinds of things like this. So, uh, which, you know, which far worse. And in the cases in Ohio in 2004, there were people that actually were, were prosecuted and convicted for, uh, uh, behaving fraudulently in the vote recount there. So, I mean, that was what was maddening to me was the, the absurdity of this, the, the juxtaposition of the very minor things that happened with ACORN for which nobody in the hierarchy was ever convicted of anything, uh, as opposed to what the right wing, the Republicans did in these other situations. So, anyway, that, that is the, you know, the black mark they put out there on ACORN. And then, uh, when we have the mortgage meltdown, there's this other thing where uh, the, I started hearing this in the right wing blogosphere and other places that, uh, in Fox News, that somehow ACORN was responsible for that. And, and, and could you go over that and why that is uh, kind of a uh, illegitimate uh, claim? Uh, I, I will, but I will refer you to one of my uh, Huffington Post blogs called Voter Fraud in California is ACORN at it again, which was just a recent incident where the Republican Party uh, or itself, not some other group, uh, tried to register students throughout Southern California in Orange County 
uh, and they registered them as Republicans, and they had no idea they were being registered as Republicans. But they can read about it in the Post. So uh, the the in the, my Huffington Post the, regarding the allegation um, of uh, causing the subprime meltdown, it is so absurd that it is absolutely pathetic that it had any legs. But it only had legs because, again, they had the right-wing blogosphere behind it, which included the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal, which wanted to show that this economic uh, meltdown uh, must have happened because of something the government did. So they tried to blame groups like ACORN, which were trying to enforce the Community Reinvestment Act, the CRA, which outlaws discrimination in home loans and in mortgage loans. And they tried to say that because ACORN forced these banks to engage in these kinds of products, that somehow that caused the, the, the crisis. Well, basically it's absurd for one simple reason. It's well documented that ACORN's loans never defaulted. <laughs> so it, they couldn't have had any relationship to the meltdown. And secondly, even the total amount of CRA loans uh, that were part of these collateral debt obligations, the debt obligations, were maybe at most 20%. So it's just an absurd allegation. Yeah, and, and it just completely... It's, 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 by the way, all these uh, uh, incidents and are very well documented in my book. It's hard to go into them in such detail in, a, in this interview, but... It's, it's all there, and it's not even worth, uh, to me, it's not even worth discussing. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, uh, this is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. I'm Robert Larson. Uh, speaking today with John Atlas, and we're talking about his book, Seeds of Change, the story of ACORN, America's most controversial anti-poverty community organizing group. And uh, your website again, uh, John? It's uh, seedsofchangeacorn.com. SeedsOfChangeAcorn.com, and you're also on uh, Facebook. You can also go to the Vanderbilt University Press. You can also um, go to my Facebook page. Okay, so, uh, and, and yeah, anyway, so bringing all that up, you know, with the, the, the voter fraud allegations and then, you know, this other thing with the uh, tying Acorn to the, the mortgage meltdown, it was just, to me, this kind of part of this, you know, bigger... Uh, uh, sort of uh, plot by the right to, to destroy ACORN. And so we had those two strikes, and then the, the third strike and the biggest strike was uh, this, this uh, uh, purported sting uh, or, uh, by, uh, who is the fellow, O'Keefe, uh, who uh, posed... Let, let me tell you what your listeners need to know about that. You've already introduced it, so I won't go into great detail. Again, I, I often get uh, asked this question when I'm talking about my book, and I go into all this in detail and discredit all the allegations they all turn out to be true. All independent investigations by attorney generals, uh, DAs, um, and um, the Congressional Research Service, the Congressional Watchdog Agency, on and on, they all came to the conclusion that ACORN never did anything illegal, and you could uh, hardly cause anything they did, call anything they did even misdeeds. And yeah. I want to say, that's not to say that they didn't have serious internal problems, and we might be interested in talking about some of those, too. They did, and uh, they had self-inflicted wounds. But the rest of the stuff is just absolutely nonsense. So the videotapes, what is all the thing about that, right? Okay, you told them what happened, but 
these are the two critical things you need to know. The, um, the, well, the most critical thing you need to know is that they're, the tapes are misleading, edited, and deceptive. By the way, they're available in uh, California on the web, the California um, incidents. The Attorney General made uh, BigGovernment.com, which helped uh, instigate this, to put them on the web. And you can just see for yourself what happened. So in two critical ways, these were deceptive, misleading, and edited. First, in most of the offices visited by these right-wing activists with their hidden camera, the ACORN staff turned them away, asked them to leave, reported them to the police, and in one case, in California, took the fake prostitute to a counseling service for young women threatened by their pimp, mm -hmm. is the story that the prostitute told ACORN staff in order to entrap them into saying something stupid. The second thing is that this da the most damaging video was the shot of James O'Keefe that appeared to show him in the Acorn offices looking like a stereotype of the 1970s Superfly pimp. Mm -hmm. Huge sunglasses, white cape, and cane. Getting advice from the Acorn staff. Well, it turns out that when O'Keefe entered the office, he was in fact wearing a dress shirt and slacks. And he identified himself not as a pimp, but as the prostitute's boyfriend or a student trying to protect the prostitute against this dangerous pimp. Uh, the pictures of him in the Superfly outfit were later edited and inserted into the tape to make it look like that's what he looked like. And, and what was the reason for that? Well, obviously, to make Acorn staff not only look like they're doing something illegal, but made them look as, you know, buffoons. Uh, now, why did people still believe this, even though all the evidence shows that it wasn't true? And the reason for that, again, has to do with the international uh, media conglomerate called News Corps, which controls the Wall Street Journal, Fox News, Fox Cable, and the New York Post. They ran these videos 24-7. CNN, the so-called mainstream media, followed the rest of the right wing, and reported the incident incorrectly. The New York Times repeated the false stories as fact. That's why people now still believe that that's what happened, even though it didn't. Now, have any of these media outlets corrected themselves? Yes, the New York Times did a big mea culpa uh, just a couple of about a month, about a month or two ago, after a campaign was launched. And I have to give a lot of credit to the Brad blog. Oh yeah. Uh, for, for, for raising these, these, these issues, demanding that the New York Times correct itself, and only after there was an outrage uh, organized by the blogosphere did a, did New York Times feel compelled to write, the, write this mea culpa. Uh, but still, uh, it was, it was uh, they still tried to give themselves an out. You yeah. can read it. It's, 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 a, it's an outrage. So I can tell you. Yeah, and I, I agree with you about Brad Blog. They do great work, and we, we've had Brad on the show here before and really appreciate what he does. So let's, uh, I know we've only got a little bit of time left here because you have to get going, uh, John. So uh, um, if real quick we could kind of talk about how all this impacted ACORN, where they're at now, and if they can somehow reconstitute themselves and what your, all your thoughts on that. You know, I think we can go to 750 if you want, but because uh, it's very important that the rest of the story gets out 
because it's such a dramatic and important story on so many different levels. And I, I don't like to leave the interviews just with the debunking of the <laughs> so-called scandals, because the Acorn story, uh, first of all, people should know that they are resurrecting themselves. And that's the good news for this. And the reason why they can resurrect themselves is that they have an organizing model that's successful. And I, I go through a good deal of the book dramatizes this organizing model that anybody who's concerned about taking on any campaign could learn a lot from. They recruit members going door to door. They empower their members to solve problems. They teach the poor how to fight by marching, voting, paying dues, supporting by, which supports the or, or organization. There's other tactics and strategies that they use that people need to know about, which uh, produce this extraordinary model of success. Um, the leaders and organizers from ACORN's old organizations have reorganized in 17 states, including California, but the group is called ACE, A-C-C-E. Um, I always forget the name, but it has Association of um, Community, California Community Empowerment, okay. something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you should have them on your show. Okay. We'll make one and talk about what they're doing. They're doing the same thing, stopping foreclosures, mobilizing the poor. Uh, so that's the good news. You know, we get, there, there are so many lessons uh, to be learned about the story of Acorn, uh, including if you want to make an impact on poverty or I think on almost any issue that you care about, uh, one of the best ways to do it is through community organizing, that community organizing works. Uh, if you are building an organization, use a lot of tactics. We need in America a progressive movement uh, that ACORN wanted to be a part of that includes low-income people working poor as part of that movement and their agenda, um, that the re- in a country that is so suspicious of state intervention and government action, uh, why ACORN was successful was, and why ACORN was attacked, I should say, was that they were threatening the right-wing ideology that says uh, government doesn't work. ACORN's experience shows that an activist government, when combined with a well-organized civic group, uh, in, can be an effective uh, tool for solving problems and also building a, a national progressive movement. So those are just some of the reasons. There's also some very important reasons why people need to understand ACORN because of the internal divisions that were caused and a certain um, lack of transparency and not having effective management supervisory systems. So, yeah, there were some... All that is minor compared to how effective the group was in making change in America. Yeah, that's uh, some points you make in the book, that they, they were so effective in making change and empowering uh, the, the disempowered. And, uh, that, but you do point out that, yeah, there were some organizational problems there, 
it wasn't the kind of criminal activity that we were led to believe was there, but there were some organizational problems, and that you, you point out how those things can be overcome, and a reconstituted uh, ACORN could actually be a, a better uh, organization. And uh, how, how many different parts of the country was ACORN involved in uh, at their peak? Well, at their peak, they were in 38 states. They had a, when you take in all their, the main organization plus the affiliated organizations, such as Project Vote and uh, the Financial Center, Living Wage Center, their unions that they organized. They had a combined budget of almost $100 million. Um, and there is one other thing that I think is very exciting about the story of ACORN. When they went through all their turmoil, they did almost all the right things. They hired a woman named Bertha Lewis, who was an African-American uh, who uh, also grew up, she actually grew up in a migrant camp. Her mother was a uh, picked cotton, but she became very well educated, and she was a brilliant and extraordinary woman who helped correct, uh, put, put in the process, I should say, correcting all the weaknesses that Acorn had had, and they were moving in the right direction until the, phony prostitute and pimp videos. But what I'm trying to say is that here was a low-income, working-poor board that, that navigated through a disaster and figured out a way to get out of it and, and improve their chances of success. If somebody uh, wanted to uh, be involved in ACORN, uh, is, uh, or what... Is how it is exists to the new day. acorn. Well, that's hard to do because there's these these new organizations are really independent of each other. Mm -hmm. They're being very scrupulous about that. They don't want to be seen simply as a the old acorn. Mm -hmm. And they're actually changing certain ways of organizing. They're bringing in independent of um, um, like professionals to be part of their board to work along with the working poor who are elected on the board so that they can have robust um, management systems and accounting systems. Uh, but in California, the group is ACE, okay. and that's easy to find. A-C-C-E. Most of your listeners are probably from California. Yes, yes, yes. yes. We have, well, we have listeners all over on the Internet, but probably <laughs> primarily here in California. So, uh, yeah, and those of you listening, I want to remind you once more that the book uh, we're talking about with uh, author John Atlas is Seeds of Change, The Story of Acorn, America's Most Controversial Anti-Poverty Community Organizing Group. A an excellent book and just uh, full of some uh, wonderful history and, uh, you know, just debunking those uh, Absurd stories that uh, we've mentioned, and uh, just uh, very inspiring, in, in, in letting you see how uh, people in, in what we think of as very uh, disadvantaged situations can come together and change their situation and uh, petition the government and, and make real change and uh, put a progressive agenda into place. Uh, uh, John Atlas, do you have anything else you want to add before you got to leave here? Uh, one of the thing, one of the, my motivations was also writing the book was to help people change their perception about the poor. Uh, you know, a lot of our books and TV programs we see about the poor often portray them as helpless victims, criminals, drug addicts, uh, unable to help themselves. And here is a story uh, that is uh, that debunks that whole notion. 
So there's all sorts of uh, interesting subtext to this book besides this dramatic story of this effective big organization uh, in, in a sort of, it's almost like a mysterious way, uh, got became got destroyed by this Republican Party. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's basically the, sort of the mystery part to the whole story. Well, John Atlas, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for uh, doing the research and putting this book together. And, uh, yes, again, Seeds of Change, the story of ACORN, America's most controversial anti-poverty community organizing group. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for being with us, John. And uh, also you should know that on my Facebook there is a link to this program, so if they ended up going there, they would also be able to hear this uh, tape again. Okay, and we'll, we'll be putting this up as a podcast, so anybody wants to listen to it at a later time, they can... Robert, thanks so much for having me. Uh, you're quite welcome, uh, and be talking to you again. Great. Okay, take care. Yeah. Bye. All right, yes. Again, John Atlas, and I always like repeating the book titles because I think they're important books if we're talking about it on my show. And again, Seeds of Change, The Story of Acorn, America's Most Controversial Anti-Poverty Community Organizing Group. And so, yeah, we're cutting out a little bit early because our guest um, had a another uh, uh, appointment or something to attend to, and uh, that's fine. And we'll go to a little music here in just a minute. And uh, we have coming up at uh, 5 o'clock, uh, as usual, it will be uh, Counterspin and Planetary Radio after that. However, Matt Kaplan will uh, not be here today, and I'll be uh, running the board for you. So, uh, but it'll be good stuff, I guarantee. All right, uh, yeah, so... Uh, out the rabbit hole, KUCI in Irvine. Uh, let's go to a little music, and I'll be back with you in just a few minutes.